Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, conversations about impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique self and business meet the world and contribute to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Tal Frankfurt. Prior to founding Cloud for Good, Tal was the director of resource development for a nonprofit organization that worked with at-risk immigrant youth. He was looking for tools to better manage his donors, participants, and volunteers. It was through this experience that Tal learned about Salesforce. The adoption of Salesforce into his everyday work was what sparked the inception of Cloud for Good, a Salesforce implementation partner working primarily with nonprofit and educational organizations to create and implement strategic solutions based on cloud technology. Welcome to the podcast, Tal. I'm delighted you're here. Thank you for having me. So you are a company that provides uh, an implementation partner for Salesforce, and Salesforce and B Corps, it's not an immediately apparent combination. Uh, why is impact important to you? Yes, yeah, so we work uh, primarily with nonprofit organizations and higher education institutions to help them create transformational value uh, with helping them around business processes and also with technology and the technology tool that we're using is Salesforce. And why is impact important for us? So impact is part of everything that we do at Cloud for Good. Um, it is about, uh, obviously it's about our customers and their mission and helping them help their clients or help de helping them focus on creating a positive change in the world and not focusing on maintaining servers and maintaining their IT or maintaining their database. Uh, but impact is also the impact on our employees and our, you know, the impact that we have on them and the impact that they're making on their environments. Mm -hmm. environment. So it's, it's, it's important because it's, it's, it's who we are. And, and I think that it's also part of the reason people choose to work at cloud for good. And part of the reason choose to work, people choose to work with cloud for good. Well, I know you've been a three-time winner of a B Corp great place to work. And so you mentioned wanting to make sure you have impact within the organization. What are the things you've put in place to make Cloud for Good such a great place to work? Yes. Um, so, for example, we have, we've adopted uh, Salesforce.org philanthropic model. So when they started, when Salesforce started, they also created their own philanthropic model that they call 111. 1% of our time we volunteer. Uh, we actually reached more than 1,000 volunteer hours uh, last year. 1%, mm. yes, and every employee at Cloud for Good receives uh, volunteer time off every year. So they have three days that they can go and volunteer either uh, with other uh, goodies, which is how we call our employees. Uh, so they can do group volunteering uh, or they can volunteer individually. We started, last year we started hosting uh, Cloud for Good Volunteer Week where everyone at the company volunteers uh, during the same week. So 1% of our time we volunteer, 1% of the products that we build 
uh, we offer for free to nonprofit organizations. And uh, one of the products that uh, we offer is, I, I actually checked it out yesterday, we had almost 5,000 nonprofits that, uh, are, that are using that product. And then 1% of our profit, or actually more than that, we also donate back uh, in grants to nonprofit organizations. Mm, wow. Yeah, that's, that's a real dedication to that, uh, to contributing to nonprofits across the board. So uh, how challenging has it been to build your culture in this way? Because you're a virtual company, you have offices in North America and Europe, and or people at least in uh, consultants working there. How do you keep keep it together when it comes to building a kind of culture that uh, that really has impact? Yeah, it's a great question. It is not something that we that I originally planned on. Uh, <laughs> originally, I I really wanted to have an office, and I want everyone to have lunch together at the office. But what I found is that you know the type of talent that I wanted to hire was not all in the same town. It was not all in two cities and I realized that work is not where you are is what you do mm -hmm. um, so there was no reason to limit myself just to one city or two cities uh, especially since my clients are all over so we actually don't have an office space anywhere uh, we have uh, almost uh, 70 full-time employees that are spread across 12 U.S. states, three Canadian provinces, and uh, we're also in, uh, in Europe. Now, how do we create that virtual environment uh, and what, what role impact plays in that? So first of all, from our point of view, we have to be very intentional about, about it. Uh, so it's intent being intentional about you know, what kind of people we're hiring, uh, looking at if these people are gonna be a good uh, a good culture fit for us is key part of our hiring process. Um, looking at what onboarding looks like. How do you onboard someone that is not going to be able to just raise their hand uh, or have someone look over their shoulder when they have a question? Um, and then how do I con constantly create connections between people that might have never met in person before? So how are we doing that? Um, we, so for example, we don't make phone calls at Cloud Forget. Uh, every conversation we have, especially internally, which we're, where we can enforce it more, all our conversations have video enabled. Mm. We have multiple calls every week that are company-wide calls or video calls uh, where we see on average 55 fake Cases, right? Someone's always sick, someone is, might be with a client. So we see each other and talk with each other multiple times a week, way more often, as, as I'm told, than maybe the person sitting in a cubicle next to you <laughs> that you might not be talking with all day. Right. And the impact aspect, volunteering together, being part of a mission or actually doing good in the world, but my customers are helping you know, we're working with customers that, that as part of our work, we triple the amount of homeless people that they place, or we double the amount of tax returns that they are, they're, they're able to offer. We're able to help them mobilize people that in, 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 in uh, disaster zones that um, would risk their life to do it. So like, we actually make impact. And I think that when you give people that extra ability to fulfill themselves 
and see how they create good in addition to being work, that, is, that, that strengthens, strengthens the culture and strengthens the connection between, the, between people that work at Cloud for Good. Mm. I love that. Um, what you just said, it's, uh, I mean, w when you give people the opportunity, I think that's such a crucial, crucial element there. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, giving people the opportunity is, uh, is constantly what I think that, that is part of our DNA. So one of our core values is, is learning, but learning not just by, you know, I want to take another course, or I want to get another certification. We understand that if we don't take risks, if we don't make mistakes, we are not going to be able to grow as a company. So we encourage people to take risks. We encourage people to take new opportunities. Uh, it's okay to make mistakes. We just don't want to make the mistake again. We want to learn from each opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I think people want to be given opportunity. I think most people, but like, you know, for us again, as I said, we are very intentional about the hiring and the kind of like the, the people that we look to uh, uh, to join us at Cloud for Good. Those people are looking for opportunities to be part of something bigger and to be part of a place that they can contribute beyond just. Uh, their immediate work expectation. Mm -hmm. How would you describe the culture at Cloud for Good? Uh, I'd say in one sentence, it's a, it's a culture of people that are very passionate about each other, about our customers' mission, and about the technology that we implement. Hmm. That's a great summary. Um, well, you yourself have gone through kind of a, an interesting career evolution. You used to work at a nonprofit uh, for uh, at-risk immigrant youth, and uh, that's quite a career change to work uh, now and to have created, become an entrepreneur, created your own company, working in the, the realm of, uh, of managing uh, Salesforce and, and all of its yeah. and things. How, how did that come about? So I'm, I'm an accidental techie, I'm an accidental, uh, I'm an accidental <laughs> CEO. Um, so I used to work, as I said, I used to work for a small nonprofit that helped at risk youth in Israel. I'm originally from Israel, if anyone is wondering about the accent um, <laughs> and the name. Uh, and at the time, we were looking for better tools to manage our donors and volunteers. And someone told me, you should look at Salesforce. They give their... Um, software for free to nonprofits. Uh, but very quickly I learned that, you know, I like to say that it's free, like free puppies. Somebody still has to uh, take them out and feed it. And it's the same thing with technology. Yes, you get a tool, you get the keys, but somebody still has to implement that technology. And we couldn't afford any consulting firm at the time. That was uh, 2005 or 2006. Uh, there were no consulting firms that could speak our nonprofit language. Uh, so I self-implemented it, and I got really excited about uh, what Salesforce can do for us. So I started the second nonprofit user group outside, a Salesforce nonprofit user group outside of the U.S. I think there are probably hundreds of them uh, right now. And making a very long story short, people kept asking me questions, and so at some point I started charging for it, and that was the beginning of my consulting career. Uh, when I moved to the U.S., I was looking for a job. I was not, you know, honestly, and uh, I, I was not looking to move to the U.S. and start, uh, start a new business. Uh, I interviewed uh, probably for three months, and three months after getting no job offers and flying all over the country, 
uh, I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm just going to have to do it myself. So that that's why I started Cloud for Good. And it kind of like, it grew from there really fast, but it was not the, uh, it, 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 I, I, I'm an entrepreneur, not by choice. I had to start the business. <laughs> I love where it is right now. And I also had to make that switch of, right, I want, do I want a job or do I want to own a business? Because that, that, that was a big shift uh, that I think I had to make in like 2012 of saying, no, I, I want to grow this. I think we can do much more. I think our impact could be much greater. And I, I want to start thinking about this as a business and not just as a job. Hmm. Well, uh, in the course of, of growing your company, you've gotten uh, quite a number of awards, the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award in 2017, and you've been on the Inc. 5000 list several times, and that implies a certain level of leadership. So how, how has your, what, what does leadership mean to you, and how is that, how has your leadership developed both inside and outside the company? Because you're quite visible. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, my leadership evolved a lot uh, over the last the last decade. Um, from right, I, I think for me, um, there are a few parts to that. One is obviously that the understanding of you know what what got me here is not going to get me there or not going to get me to the next level. So change and learning and experimenting and trying new things. Uh, has been part of my leadership journey. Delegating work has, has been part of my uh, uh, kind of like that, that journey, right? That understanding that I cannot own everything, I cannot micromanage everything. Right. That, that, that doesn't come naturally to, uh, at least to me, it didn't mm -hmm. come naturally. I needed to have some, uh, some pain, some hurdles in the process of, hey, I, I really messed this up because I didn't, uh, because maybe I micromanaged it or maybe I didn't delegate what I should have delegated and you know at some point you know especially for I think for people that start from actually working in the business it takes it took me time to, to realize and you know it sounds crazy I am not great at everything there are a lot of people <laughs> that are right I have consultants that are way better than me in consulting and a lot of consultants Definitely our solution architects are better than me in that and our sales team is better than me in sales, right? So where I bring value is not necessarily in working in the business. It's really growing and working on the business and on the growth. That, that took me, uh, that, that definitely took time. There was definitely a, a journey there and I'm, it's still a journey. I, I always tell people, I tell them in the, in the interview process, no, I never ran a company with 70 people before. And, you know, when we are going to hire our next person tomorrow, let's say we're going to be 71, I've never hired, I never ran a company with 71 people. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a constant learning process. That's what I like about it. I, I enjoy the change. I enjoy the, you know, the, the creation aspect of it. I enjoy the ambiguity. Um, yes. I don't know if I answer the question or... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I love that too about being an entrepreneur. It's never, never static. You're always changing, learning and growing. So, yeah. Especially in the, I think especially in the services and technology services, mm -hmm. just like a shark that, you know, if, if it doesn't move, it can breathe. Right. Right? I really think that if we don't stay up to date 
with, 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 you know, we need to be at least one step ahead of our client, right? From a technology point of view, my, from my point of view, from a technology point of view, from what implementation, what project look like, what services are available out there. If we are not constantly moving and growing, it's going, it's going to be very hard for us to justify kind of what, what we do here. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and tech companies, I mean, your background isn't in tech, but tech companies have, um, you know, had to manage really rapid growth when they're successful, and you're um, you're certainly in that realm. And uh, the culture in tech companies is not always ideal. We hear these horror stories coming out of Silicon Valley. Is there one particular thing that you've learned in your leadership journey that uh, you would say to to someone coming in? What's the most important thing you've learned about leadership? I, I think. So from an advice from, I, I, I think can answer that two ways. So first of all, I think for me, it was about understanding what, what motivates me, right? Like I, did I really like doing sales? Yes. Do I really like doing training with customers? Yes. But that, that's not what motivates me. And I think as part of kind of understanding how the company grows, I had to understand what motivates me. And for me, it's really the creation aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a leadership point of view, so I think one is, is really figure out what motivates you and where is your strength. Uh, but then, you know, maybe going back to what I said earlier, um, delegating and, and finding people you trust um, to help you build a company, it's, that, that is key, finding uh, giving trust to people um, and, and finding other people that can help you grow the organization. Um, I, think, I think it's key in leadership. Mm-hmm. Well, another area where um, impact-focused companies have, have spent some energy in ensuring is this realm of diversity. And the majority of your leadership team is, is women. Is that right? We do, yes, we do have a majority, uh, we do have a majority women in leadership, and I think uh, company-wide, it's about 50-50 male-female. Mm-hmm. Was that a conscious choice, or just the best candidates, or, or both? So, I, it's, it's a, I, I can't say, so being like very, I, I cannot say that I have made extra efforts to, you know, make sure that my leadership team is majority female or majority whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So from my point, I, that is not how I see it. So my, I think my role is A, to make sure that, so first is to make sure that my company is inclusive and people are able to express themselves, people are comfortable, um, in the company. Um, and I think the second thing is we hire based on what you do and your experience. And we don't really hire, uh, based on, uh, you know, other things that might distract us. And I think that our ability to be, I think part of the reason we're maybe the fact that we're virtual might help us since I don't see you immediately when we talk and we, when we interview. So some of these biases that, that might be in the way of other companies, we just don't have them. Um, so going back to that question, 
it is, in my point of view, it's not something I have been saying, you know, my number one goal is to have majority leadership, uh, female leadership. My number one goal is to hire the best people and to make sure that they're comfortable um, in a cloud for good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it, it does prove that when, when you're hiring based on competencies, when you're hiring based on previous experience and you give people the room to grow and be themselves, uh, it's probably easier for us to recruit a, a more diverse workforce. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, there are obviously, obviously other aspects of diversity, race and uh, background. Um, what, what do you think diversity brings to your organization? Yeah, so we look at it as diversity of thought um, uh, that comes from the geographical, race, social, economic, uh, gender. Uh, what does it bring to my organization specifically is, is, is more voices. It's more experiences, um, right? I, I, my type of leadership, I don't want everyone to say, to sound exactly the same and, and tell me exactly what I want to hear then, then because that's my, because we share the same experience. Um, I'm looking for the other opinions at the table. It doesn't mean we're always going to take those and go with those opinions, but we want to hear the other opinions. We want to hear the out of, uh, out of the box thinking. And in order to have out of the box thinking, I think you need to have uh, diversity in your organization. Plus our customers are diverse and our customers are serving a diverse diverse customers of their own. So in order for us to speak in and in, in to empathize with them and offer them to empathize with us and, and to like really help understand their business processes and, and support that, I think that, that we also should be diverse. Mm-hmm. Diverse. Yeah. Well, you now have offices in the uh, UK and Germany and Amsterdam. What, uh, how has that helped you to have more impact? I mean, other than the scale question, obviously. And and what are what have been the challenges in creating an international business as opposed to a, at least North American one previously? Yeah. So these are so again, these are virtual offices. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, and, and and we just started that about a year ago. Uh, so we are still in kind of like an experimental learning, growing phase uh we are i think that one of the interesting things that maybe we didn't plan on because we said we're going to start with the netherlands and focus on the netherlands and you know then we might grow to germany or might grow to the uk we're actually able to operate across the continent and across different countries so we have people from the u.s working on a joint project with the uk People in Germany operating on a project with the UK or with the Netherlands. So uh, we're actually able to make more of those connections um, than we thought we were going to make. Uh, it does obviously pose additional cultural differences that, mm-hmm. um, that didn't exist before. Right. Um, with that being said, I have not seen any major, like, it's, it's nothing that surprised us. Uh, or took us completely by surprise. I think that as an organization, we're open. Um, we're open to different experiences. I think that may be part of the reason why, you know, starting in the Netherlands was not a big uh, shift for us, and then growing to other countries is not 
it's not changing our culture or, and they're able to kind of like uh, grow with it. Um, so we, we've not, it has not been, I'll say something that it's, it's a little, so it has not been harder um, to manage a team in the Netherlands than it is to manage someone in um, remote area in Washington or in Newfoundland, Canada, which we also have people. Mm -hmm. So again, I, I really think when you hire for culture, uh, based on cultural fit and competencies, we end up with very similar culture even overseas. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting because, uh, you know, the kind of default uh, thought on that is, well, you're going to have cultural differences and those have to be worked through. And it's uh, so it's really great to hear that your your clarity about your cultural definition and therefore your ability to hire based on that really helps transcend those kinds of differences across countries. I, I absolutely, I mean, you, you can have different, different, especially from someone that is not from here, I can see the significant difference, cultural difference between someone in New York and someone that I might be working with in Memphis, Tennessee, right. and someone that I might be working with in Seattle, mm -hmm. um, right? So these cultural differences exist in the U.S., and maybe the fact that the U.S. is so big and the fact that there are so many different cultures within the U.S. maybe made it easier for us to open. Uh, but also, I think the fact that we are built as a virtual company, so it's not like there is a culture of the people that go to the office in New York and then those who work virtually or remote um, in Europe. Everybody is virtual. There's no remote versus office culture. Right. Yeah, so there isn't that artificial kind of separation between the two. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and you yourself have international experience, obviously. You were lived elsewhere, and so you have that inherent understanding that there are many different ways to do things. So it, uh, I think there's having an acceptance of that is always a good starting point. Absolutely. Uh, also part of, uh, I think, uh, something that took me and I, it's still learning, right? There are different ways of doing things. I think it's part of, a, it also is part of, I would roll that into the leadership learning. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, and, and, and into diversity in general, that, that, and that's okay, that there yeah. are different ways to do the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. In the, the, I mean, you've had rapid growth since you started and what have you noticed that you've had to stay on top of in order to maintain a focus on the impact that you want to have as a company? I'd say that the growth, especially in our services environment, because when we grow, it's not just that we grow our size of the company, we also grow the uh, right, the, the, our customers are changing. Mm -hmm. Our methodology of how we implement what we implement is changing and it's constantly evolving. So I, I think that in order for us to maintain our impact, both internally on our employees and externally with our customers and our communities, uh, we just have to be more intentional about doing it. Um, I think that that's that's the key things, just being intentional, which sounds simple, 
but it's not. It's, it's being aware of, hey, this is what we're doing. This is where we're growing. This is how it's going to change. And, and thinking about, okay, how, how are we going to address it now and how are we going to address it in two years? It's something that constantly occupies me. Um, I do think that the bigger we are, the bigger our impact is. Uh, the more resources we have internally to offer professional development, to offer, uh, to, to help our employees. Uh, but it's also the type of customers that we work with are, are super impactful and we're able to touch more, uh, more constituents. So I think that it's really part of our growth. We're actually seeing more impact. Yeah, it's a, it's a scale. Um, scaling issue if you're able to connect with more people have people interface with customers sharing your impact philosophy and approach and even beyond providing services I think that that kind of outreach is has an effect on people when they're dealing with a company where they feel aligned their values are aligned it has more impact absolutely yeah well Tal I'd love to get into a little bit on your uh, kind of day-to-day -day experience with the company and many people are advocating have a morning ritual or practice so do you have one and if you do why um so why so the question is what what is my morning ritual yeah and well, do you have one i have i sort of have one so i i try to uh and i'm so, not advocating either way at the moment i'm just curious right. <laughs> um, I say sort of, but like, you know, that the ritual, it is a ritual. Uh, so I, I do try to work out um, um, at least four times a week. And I do that in the morning after I, uh, so I'm, I wake up with my uh, two daughters. I, t I uh, normally wake up with them, do breakfast, take them to school. Um, and then I, uh, I work out in the mornings. And then for me, it's... Uh, it's really a dive into emails and back and, and a lot of back-to-back -back calls. Uh, that that's my uh, remaining ritual for the day. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean that's uh, you know starting the day when you're juggling work and family and, and it's not a small thing to be uh, taking that on every day. So, is, how do you go ahead? I, I start the day with family. I don't start the day with work and family. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, the the work starts really after I. Uh, I drop my oldest at, at, at her school. Um, so I, I think that ability, that the separation between the, the life and work is, is, is important. It's something that we struggle with. I think in general, people struggle with. And I think that we can struggle even more when work is in our house. Um, so I, I try to make that separation very clear, especially in the morning and then in the afternoon. I uh, eat dinner together as a family every day. I do nighttime with them every day. So, and then I might go back, you know, and, and, and work on my computer, but uh, the, the work-life separation is super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, that kind of brings me to the next question, which is around, you know, managing your energy on an ongoing basis, because it's super important for the owner, the founder of a company to be really making sure that you're covering all the bases. How do you, 
how do you work on a day-to-day basis? Do you do you work in blocks of time? Do you uh, have certain things that you do to make sure that your energy level stays up? Um, I don't. I I work. Can't say that I'm working in blocks of time. I would say that I'm probably not the best example of. Uh, of how your day should be structured because I am, it, my day kind of structured itself for me. Uh, a lot of the time, I do have a lot of internal meetings and that's where, uh, right, talking with people, talking with both our, you know, internally with our employees, we do a lot of virtual, co- what we call virtual coffees. Uh, and with customers is, is where maybe I get my energy. Um, but my days are probably not the, uh, that is probably not the recommended, uh, way to structure your day because it, it's really building itself for me and it's a lot of back-to-back uh, meetings. And there's no judgment here where I'm just interested to hear because you obviously have a successful company and uh, I don't think it's really valid to say there's only one way to do things. There's not a super structured way or a specific thing that you should do. Um, I just always think it's helpful for people to hear, oh, here's how somebody else is doing it. That actually matches my style and it helps. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know that there's no shame and it's okay for other people to say, hey, I am not the only uh, crazy person that wakes up in the morning <laughs> and then from, uh, you know, nine to uh, five has like uh, 10 meetings. So uh, it, it's, 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 a, it's definitely, right, like I would say that that is a struggle, right? How do you manage the uh what's important in your day what is right what's urgent versus what is strategic uh how do you make sure that you leave time to think about the more strategic uh things that we should be focusing on right as a, as leaders of companies we need to think about not just about what's happening this week or this month in our business we also need to think about where the business is going mm-hmm. so i i the way i do that is that i will normally block a day but every once in a while to think about it uh i'm part of a peer ceo group that allows me to focus on it at least for a full day once a month so for me the way i find is is really it's less about the day-to-day is actually dedicating time to say okay this is the time that i need in order to grow my business or think about what are what can surprise me in a year what can surprise us in two years um that so i do that on more on a monthly basis than a daily basis but as i said learning is is part of our values i am still learning how to manage my days i'm still learning what leadership is Uh, i don't think anybody has it all figured out so i'm uh always open to doing stuff things better (laughs) well that's a great attitude to have that kind of growth mindset well, Tal, I always wrap up these interviews with uh, three rapid round questions. Are you are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> the first one is, what's the biggest thing you've learned about having impact? That impacting that that it's reciprocal. Um, that by making an impact on someone, you actually also make an impact on yourself. Mm. Oh, that's great. Yeah, kind of comes back. Well, the second question is, what's the one thing you've constant, consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most? So I think part of the reason we're able to grow and part of the reason we're able to build a technology company originally from Memphis, Tennessee and now from Asheville, North Carolina, 
uh, is that we have always been very involved in our communities, very involved in giving back, uh, whether it's volunteer time, but also with answering questions and providing content that uh, can help our customers or can help other people that might be just exploring uh, making an impact in their organization. So sharing with the community has been very impactful for us. Mm. Yeah, and that's, been, that's so important in an online community, especially when you're working in that realm. So the third question is, what's one insight or piece of advice you'd share with another business owner is asking themselves, how do I have more impact? So I'd say, think about what would impact mean for you, right? What kind of an impact do you want to have, right? Impact might mean different things to different people. And, and then just do it. Be intentional about it. Um, I personally believe in like, you know, if this is where we want to be and this is what we want to do and this is what it means for us, uh, we will never know how to do it unless, until we start trying. So I think deciding what, what does impact mean for you and then creating the plan and executing on it, I think that's, that, that's the key to actually making an impact. Mm, that's great. Well, Tal, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate your very open perspective about uh, growing your business and, and, the, and your approach to leadership in particular. I want to thank you for sharing what you have today. Thank you. Thank you so much for hosting me. So if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, they can shoot me an email to tal, T-A-L, at cloudforgood.com with the number four, um, or find me on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'm pretty available. Great. Well, thanks again, Tal, for the work you're doing in the world. Thank you. Join us for more episodes. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. You can even help spread the word. Leave a review if you like what you've heard. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for ongoing support so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by liking the Work Alchemy Facebook page.